everybody. Hi, how are you? All right. Well, for those of you who don't know me, let me take just a quick second, introduce myself. My name is Tara. I am the kids director here at Great Oaks. So first of all, thank you for joining us this morning. Those who are online, thank you for watching. Um, so kids director, that's my job. That's my title. Absolutely love it. So now you must realize I'm a little outside of my natural element of hanging out with the cool people so that I can come hang out with you. You're welcome. So this morning, I want to just kind of recap a little for everyone. This is week four of our I Am series. Jesus, in his own words, these I Am statements that Jesus makes to share with people who he is. But before I do that, I want to ask a question. Where are the parents in the room? Just quick. Okay, good. Awesome. I am a parent myself. I have three girls. They are amazing. They drive me crazy. They're beautiful. All of the things. My oldest is a teen. Um, so right now I'm currently dealing with all that means with a teen girl in the house. It's fun. Pray for me. Um, but she is also kind of that typical firstborn of she holds a lot of responsibility, carries a lot of weight. I was a firstborn. I get it. She, as she has grown up, I have watched her and kind of looked at her. Okay, what are you going to do with your life? What is she going to be? It's real exciting to see. And she's had some options that she's considered, but again, she's 14. She can be whatever. My youngest one is 10. And if you know her, you love her, she is feisty and fiery and lots and lots of fun. But if you said, okay, what does she want to be? I'd be like, I have no idea. She changes that frequently in her mind of just all these ideas. But that middle child, that 12-year-old, she is different. In every sense of the word, she is different. And she has only ever considered two career paths in her entire life. The first has been doctor. She's bounced between surgeon, orthopedist, I mean, just all of these phenomenal things. I'm like, yeah, get it, girl, you can do it, absolutely. But she wants a backup plan because also, like me, she likes to be prepared. So her second choice is McDonald's manager. <laughs> Solid choice. I mean, win-win for me. Head trauma, I'm covered. Need some fries? I'm covered, right? But in all of this, looking at my children, I have never once looked at any of them and been like, that one's a shepherd. Why on earth would I want my child to be a shepherd? Historically, especially in biblical context, we see shepherds hanging out with these stinky animals, protecting these animals from predators, from themselves, if you were here last week and you saw Pastor Chase's reel of the sheep that got pulled out of the hole and immediately, excitedly jumped back in, my kids, yes, right? So why on earth would I ever want my kid to be a shepherd? It's simple. If Jesus is our shepherd, why wouldn't I want them to be like him? 
So quick recap, four I am statements. This is week four. Week number one, Pastor Paul, I am the bread of life, sharing ways that Jesus satisfies and sustains us. Week two, Chris Genders, I am the light of the world, and some awesome insight of how Jesus compels us to be a light to others. Last week, Pastor Chase laid some groundwork for us in John 10, I am the gate, and how if you want all that God has for you, you have to go through the gate. This is where I'm going to pick up today with our next I am statement. So if you have your Bible, Bible app, just want to look at the screen, John chapter 10, we are going to pick up in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority to lay it down and when I want to and also to take it up again. For that is what my father commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Webster's Dictionary defines shepherd as a person who tends sheep. Simple. When used as a verb, it means to guide or guard sheep as a shepherd. So the first half of John 10, we see Jesus saying he's not only the gate that we enter into, but he brings it back in the next half, saying that he is also the shepherd that protects us once we've entered into the fold. More specifically, in this, we see Jesus say that he is the good shepherd. And throughout John 10, he gives examples of what a good shepherd is. We know a shepherd means to herd or tend to sheep. So what is Jesus saying when he calls himself the good shepherd? The good shepherd is one who lives sacrificially for the benefit of everyone. So I grew up in church. I was one of those kids that was there every single time the doors were open. My family, like, bake sale, we're in, five dozen cookies, sounds great. Car wash, I can wash more cars than you. I would fall asleep under the pews. Yes, that old pews, right? My parents would have to like carry me home after Sunday night services sort of thing. And so looking back, I can remember my Sunday school teacher and some of the scriptures that he would share with us. And one of my favorites was when we started going over the 23rd Psalm. He read to us and he said, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That's so comforting. 
And I wish he had read it in that translation rather than the translation he read it from because he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And my six-year-old brain went, rude, why don't you want him? What don't you want? I'm so confused here. What are you trying to say to me? See, my understanding was based on the words that I was hearing, not any kind of experience. My understanding came through experiencing the shepherd in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I understood that at eight when I was at camp crying out to God saying, I want you as my savior. The Lord is my shepherd. I understood that at nine when he walked with me through darkness and confusion of losing a sibling. I have all that I need. He provided for me when I moved into adulthood and started working with kids. I shall not want. When I put fear aside, packed up a moving truck, moved my family from everything we had ever known, and came to Illinois to teach kids and families about God's love. See, my needs are met because the shepherd has sacrificially provided. Jesus came to earth, lived, died, because Jesus is my good shepherd, sacrificed for me because he knows me. Look with me again at John 10, 12. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scattered the flock. So as I was preparing to speak today, I was curious in the word choice here, hired hand, So I looked up about five different Bible translations, and every single one of them used the same phrasing here, hired hand. Clearly, this is important, because Jesus is using hired hand here as a reference to the religious leaders that he's speaking to. Time and again in the New Testament, we see these religious leaders living more like hired hands than the shepherds that they were claiming to be. Matthew 23, we see Jesus rebuke the leaders as hypocrites who teach and live only according to their own gain. Mark 7, the leaders come for Jesus and the disciples because they're not holding to the traditions and rituals like everyone expects them to. Luke 16, they're lovers of money, not lovers of people. In John, we saw this two weeks ago in chapter 9. Jesus heals this blind man And the leaders are pushing back saying, well, he clearly deserved it. There's something wrong in his life, right? So I work predominantly with kids and I teach with kids. So bear with me here. But when I teach with them, I tell them, put yourself in that moment. How do you think you would feel if you were standing there and you see Jesus walk up to this man, slap some mud on his face, and all of a sudden he can see Kids' reactions are great. I'd be excited. I would do a cartwheel. Guys, me too. I would be thrilled to see something like that. 
So why weren't these leaders? They, they hear about this blind man being healed and they're like, no, we're still looking for reasons why you should have been punished. The reality is they are the hired hands in it for themselves instead of being the shepherds they claimed. So does that sound familiar, hired hands? Do we see that today in our own society, in our own culture? Social media influencers, musicians, actors, sports stars, bosses, political leaders. Unfortunately, even in the Christian world, speakers, preachers, authors, in it for themselves. They've lost sight of what a shepherd is and does. In his book, The Heart of a Leader, author and speaker Ken Blanchard says this, too many leaders act as if the sheep, their people, are there for the benefit of the shepherd, not that the shepherd has responsibility for the sheep. So if that's true, then what exactly is a good shepherd? I think Jesus has given us four really great examples here. The first, a good shepherd is courageous. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. If you look in the Old Testament, in Samuel chapter 17 specifically, there is a great story of a boy, small, young, ordinary shepherd, one of my favorites. It was, you know, an asparagus and a pickle. It was great. But David, this ordinary little shepherd boy, the youngest of his brothers, sends his brothers off to war. They're fighting against the Philistines. There's this man named Goliath who comes out every day and he's taunting the Israelites. Who's going to fight me? Who's going to fight me? And David's like, okay, guys, who's going to fight him? And they're like, no. Not it. Not me. And this little boy is looking at these terrified men. Like, all right, fine. I'll do it. Courage. First Samuel 17.34, you see David speaking to the king, who is like, what? This kid is going to do what? And so he says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. This is courage. This is a shepherd stepping into the arena saying, let's do this. David was willing to sacrifice his life as a shepherd for the sake of his sheep. And he was willing to sacrifice his life for the sake of his people. We'll see this again in the New Testament as Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, courageously makes his way to the cross for us. This courage, this feeds into the next thing here, because a good shepherd is also selfless. John 10, 13, the hired hand runs away 
because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. See, these religious leaders that Jesus is speaking to this entire time, they don't get it. They miss the point. The good shepherd is one who lives sacrificially for the benefit of everyone. Instead, they're walking around with the belief that obey the written laws, keep the traditions, pay us money when we tell you to, fear and respect us, you'll be righteous. John 17, 3 says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. See, Jesus knows how selfish these leaders were. He encountered them over and over again as he's traveling, as he's teaching, and he's seeing firsthand the level of selfishness in their hearts and what they are capable of. So he speaks to them again in verse 15. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is speaking about going to the cross. He's preparing the way. He's giving his life for the sake of not just the people of Israel, but he's saying, I'm doing this for everyone. Everyone can come too. This means that Jesus came for everyone. There's a reason that our mission statement here at Great Oaks is connecting everyone with Jesus' community and purpose. See, we're following the example Jesus sets for us, loving and caring for widows, orphans, the ones who look, think, act differently than we do. If you were here last week, you might have heard our Go Beyond announcement because everyone matters. Everyone is going to be connected with Jesus, with community, with purpose. But we're also following a command that Jesus gave in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So why would a shepherd go to all of this trouble? He's courageous, he's selfless. It's because the good shepherd is also caring. Last week, Pastor Chase mentioned how the shepherd would literally be that gate. So, ready? Pretend you're the kids that I normally teach. Take a moment, imagine. You are a shepherd, you are in a field, you can't just pop up some drywall and call it good, right? You need stones, you need limbs, you need sticks. You're gonna build a rough pen here, put your sheep in for the night, and then you are going to body block that entrance. You are there keeping them in, you are there keeping predators out. On the off chance that a predator would push forward, you are ready to give your life for those sheep. He does this because of his care of his sheep. 
They're in his charge. They are under his protection. It's his responsibility. He loves them and he will protect them at all costs. Matthew 18, 12 says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So I mentioned my three kids, my youngest being the feisty one. Um, I'm pretty sure when God made her, he instilled a level of fearlessness in her that has generated an extraordinary level of fear in me. I mean, this, there's not much this kid won't do, honestly. So when she was little growing up, I was that mom with the kid that had the backpack leash, right? Because she was my wanderer, my explorer. She wants to know what's going on, where it is, how can I get there, and what can I break along the way? And so I have had that experience of, okay, I'm going grocery shopping. I'm taking all three kids. They're all under the age of five. I hope no one gets lost. I've had one get lost. You'll never guess which one, right? The relief that she's only one aisle over in the grocery store is profound, I'm not a crier, but in those moments, yes, I would cry. Okay, good. I have my kid. Success. I got groceries, and all my kids are home, right? That's kind of how I imagine that in my head of a shepherd finding that lost sheep and being overjoyed. I knew my other two kids were fine. They're locked in the stroller. They're not going anywhere. They're afraid to move. This one over here, though, whole different ballgame. See, this act of the shepherd going, finding, this caring, it shows the nature of Jesus and the depth of his caring for us. So I will be honest, moving here, packing up everything, leaving everyone, all of the grandparents and cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, I was scared. I am an overthinker. So in saying, okay, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take on a new role. I remember also going, but what if I fail? I get there and they're like, oh, no, we actually don't like you. Go back to Florida. Or what if my husband can't find a job? Or what if he doesn't like his job? Or what if my kids are in a new school environment and all of a sudden they're getting made fun of and they've never been in public school before? And what if, what if, what if, what if? And that fear sets in. And God's care of me takes over. It's moments of friends sharing a scripture at the exact right moment. God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. It's okay. We're going to miss you. It's okay. Go. People that I didn't even realize knew who my family was coming and saying, you are going to do great things. All of these little things showing me, God cares. He's there. These words of encouragement, even now, show me the depths of his love for me. So all of this, because I think one of the most important things is that a good shepherd 
is knowledgeable. See, a good shepherd will intimately know his sheep. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Two verses, four times we see the word knows. The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their sounds. He knows their quirks. He knows their habits. He knows what to say to calm them down. He knows what to do to encourage them, to herd them back where they belong. The sheep likewise know the shepherd. They hear his voice. They respond. They feel his presence and are calmed. They're comforted knowing that he's near. Jesus knows the Father. The Father knows him. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, knows us. Inside and out, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he still loves us unconditionally. So it wasn't a surprise to God that taking this huge step Moving my entire family was filling me with fear and dread and anxiety. It scared me when I heard his voice saying, go. He knew where I was supposed to be. And so because he knows me, has provided me with a church family, with friends, with staff members and co-workers that care for my family like they are their own. God knew what I needed because the good shepherd is the one who lives sacrificially for the benefit of everyone. So as I close today, I want to ask you, are you the hired hand? Or are you ready to be a shepherd. Maybe today you need some courage, like David had, to say, I need a shepherd in my life. You haven't had one. You're hearing that voice, but you don't know it yet, and you want to. That's okay. We have prayer workers that will be on the sides that would love to pray with you, talk with you, meet with you. Or maybe it's time to be selfless. Where can you care for other sheep within the fold? Maybe you know and recognize the voice of the shepherd already. What are you doing about it? One of the things I love about Great Oaks is life groups. I love the name life group because they are so life-giving. Connect with a group. Connect with people who want to love you and share with you. We have opportunities for serving, for leading teams, for volunteering in so many ways here. But maybe I've got some real brave ones this morning who would be like, okay, Tara, I hear everything that you're saying. I like where you're going with this, but I want to really get in the nitty gritty and know what shepherd life is really like. Alrighty, I got you. This summer, cross-training. 
if you ever want an experience of herding sheep, come spend a week with me and 200 kids and get them from place to place in a timely manner while sharing the gospel. That'll do it. I promise. It's amazing. Honestly, we are very excited for cross-chaining to be coming. But I can hook you up with that if you really want to know, if you really want to experience it. Half the job actually feels like sheep herding, so it's true. The gate is open for you. Enter in. Walk through that gate and find what God has for you. The shepherd knows you. He wants you to know him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your words. I pray right now that these words are a blessing to someone. That someone is sitting there saying, I need that David-like courage. I need a shepherd. Or that someone is saying, it is time for me to be selfless, to give some of my time, to give some of my talent. I wanna do more. And so I pray right now, strength. Strength for people to come forward and say, I am ready to be a shepherd. I am sick of being a hired hand. It's not about me, God, it's about you. And so I just pray right now for each and every heart in this room that they would be opened, that they would understand you love us unconditionally. You know us. You want us to know you intimately and have life abundantly. I thank you again for this awesome day. Be with each and every one of us as we leave this week. In Jesus' name, amen.